Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 27, 28, and 29 of The Great Hunt, The Shadow in the Night, A New Thread in the Pattern, and Sean Chan. Enjoy! Welcome to Season 2, Episode 13. This is Episode 37 for us. And I want to go back to the last episode real fast before I begin. Just give a shout-out to Chris, one of my great co-hosts who's here with us, of course. But, Chris, I want to tell you how close you are. When you first predicted that Tom would come back, you predicted by Episode 33, and it was Episode 36. So you're almost almost spot on. (laughs) Uh, It's just you were you were super close so wait, i wait. i meant to mention that but his yeah, math was I, I, good because we had that like intro episode and then the two prologues and maybe he just didn't factor that in so technically he was probably he close. might have been he, yeah he, he might have been right on yeah <laughs> that's crazy exactly the man so, <laughs> so yeah um so uh, like i said that's pretty that's pretty darn close so um Pretty cool. Um, now we don't have any other, I think, book predictions coming up anytime soon. Uh, as far as people coming back, everybody's here and everybody's back. Um, for now, oh, maybe right. we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, except, sure. except for sure. Tam, I always thought Tam would like catch up to them, and I guess I never really put a book or anything yeah. on it. But I, I don't know. It's kind of weird knowing a little bit of his backstory that he's not running to catch up or something. But we, we could talk about that later. I'm sure he'll come up again. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Well, we, we might be able to put a prediction on Tam at some point. Um, if you guys want to, but before we get any further into actual will time talk, or at least the book talk, let's talk about some of the housekeeping stuff. So we do have one new patron. So he's actually listened to us live for the first time. That's, uh, or at least the first time as a patron. I'm not sure if he did them. Sometimes we open up to everyone. That's Gentle Giant. Um, so thank you so much uh, for becoming a patron. We appreciate it so much and love all of our patrons so much. And I always have to give shout-outs to them because uh, you help us keep this thing going and basically just for giveaways. That's that's what your money goes to right now because we, we're not really saving any money. Uh, one day we will. Uh, I keep on saying that, but, yeah. We'll see. Uh, We're going to go to Vegas and put it all on black and let it ride a few times and see what happens. Yeah, and then, and then we might build a fort some stuff. But uh, maybe I just need to stop giving away stuff, but I like giving away stuff. So, um, But no giveaways yet because we're not too uh, – milestones are, uh, are have enough money to make account for that because I just gave away a bunch of stuff. So we'll do that next month. Next month we will. Um, and as far as everything else, no major milestones and listeners. We're still hovering between eighteen and 19,000 downloads. Uh, get a lot of new, new listeners, which is always fun. Um, and then as far as Twitter followers, we're still marching towards that 1,000 number. We're uh, over 850 now, closer to 900. So we're, we're getting there. It ticks up every day, every week. So a few weeks, we'll be at 1,000, maybe a few months. We'll see. Um, but yeah, um, as far as merchandise goes, we do have a new t-shirt design. I talked about that last time. It was submitted to our 
uh, our merch store to be put on everything. It has not hit the store yet, but any day now it should be. We'll see. I've not heard anything yet, but it's been submitted. Um, so look for our new t-shirt soon. It's, um, it's going to be the floaties t-shirt. So it's uh grab your floaties and has a cartoon version of all of us, which is pretty awesome. It's a really cool looking picture. Thank you. Tree hugger so much for designing Agreed. it. It looks Thank awesome. You. Yeah. Yeah. Very it looks cool. amazing. So I'm very, very happy about that. Um, as far as anything else, one thing I did want to say, a somber and happy note at the same time. I'll start the somber and then the happy and then go into personal life. But the, on a somber note, I do have to mention that tomorrow is a big day in the Wheel of Time community. It is the 13th anniversary of the passing of Robert Jordan. Mr. James Rigney was his real name. Uh, Robert Jordan was his pen name. Um, so Tyshar Rigney, um, it means, uh, you know, we wouldn't be here doing this podcast if he had not had written this book and had not lived to do this. So um, it's an anniversary of his passing. Uh, but with the, on the more lighter note, it also is the one-year anniversary since the show started filming. So they decided to start sh- filming on the anniversary of his passing. So it's been one year since they started filming. So that's a kind of a happy, yay, they're still filming today. So um, at least as far as I know, they're filming as of right now because they started, I think, a week ago back up since COVID and should be filming till December or something like that. So, so yeah, so that's a happy note that, that the TV show is celebrating one year of principal photography. Um, as far as personal life goes, um, not a whole lot. I went to a brewery, a brewery last weekend with uh, one of my high school friends. Ian was supposed to come, but he decided to cut down a tree or something like that. Um, so he didn't make it. My bad, uh, but, but yeah, it's all good. But we went out, uh, had a few, a uh, few beers with a good high school friend of mine. Um, it was fun just to get back out, uh, you know, at a brewery. We were, we were, we were in an open field outside the brewery, so it wasn't really. We weren't in the brewery, so uh, very, very social distanced. Um, and then, as far as things coming up, uh, we are going to the beach in a few weeks. We always go off season, so that's gonna be fun. And then we're going to apple picking in a few weeks, so there'll be a couple, couple of cool things coming up as far as personal life. But um, yeah, that's about it for me. How about you guys? Uh, I don't have anything too exciting. Just been working, working, working. Um, but Alan got me a little depressed and down that we weren't giving something away. So, Alan, pick a number, 1 through 14. Okay. You can say it out loud. Can we tell you them? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, let's go three. Chris, pick a number, 1 through 14. Tim. Okay. So, from the top, we have 1, 2, 3. So, Gentle Giant. And then Nerdy Kitty. You guys, okay. you guys get a, a, a T-shirt out of our store of your choosing on me. Bam. Wow, that's awesome. Wow. Look All there. right. Thanks. See, it does pay your sometimes. Yeah, number of mine. <laughs> so, well, I, I didn't include you guys in there. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just went with you live chat right now. Awesome. So, yeah. So, Gentle Giant and... Nerdy this Kitty, let's get first a free patron. So, yeah, well, Alan, yeah. Alan, Alan yeah. Gentle Giant, you were the number three. Nerdy Kitty, you were you were number ten on the well, at least how it shows up on my Discord. So, 
Boom. Okay. Here you go. Cool. I don't want to help work out the oh, details, nitty. too. It's not, it's not kitty. Like it's nerdy nitty. Nerdy nitty. Oh. nitty. It's nitty. Oh, oh, nitty. I yeah. like the nerdy kitties, but... And I'm totally yeah, sober, and I still couldn't read so. that. That's sad. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Well, so we'll get with you guys. Uh, Ian, we'll figure that out. Um, and we'll send out t-shirts. Cool. Hey. Awesome. That's all I got. That sounds like fun. All right. So... Yeah, so we do give giveaways, even when we're not doing giveaways. So that's another reason why you should become a patron. You might randomly get Ian and give you free T-shirts. Uh, so, um, yeah, awesome. So, Chris, what about personal life for you? Uh, yeah, that's a loaded question. Per the usual, Chris has a lot of shit going on. But to be fair, I'm try- I'm actually scaling back. Believe it or not, like I got a little overwhelmed. And I was like, I've got to start figuring some stuff out. Like school has started and I am teaching curriculum this week, which is actually really fun and invigorating. And it just excites me to be doing that. And in starting the curriculum portion of teaching and actually zooming with the kids and watching them learn. And because literally I can watch them do questions and stuff in live action and I can see them getting the stuff right. Like, I'm like, I got to give more time to my classroom. I got to give more time to what I'm doing here because this is important because this is our future. And these kids are actually engaged. So I catch myself spending like 10 hours to 12 hours a day at work, which is not healthy for anything, but the fact that the kids are successful. Um, <laughs> um, that being said, um, I've had to scale back some of the part-time stuff. I'm also working on the second master's degree now, um, which is kind of boring, to be honest with you. So I catch myself falling behind on assignments because they're not even Zooming with us or anything. They're just, like, throwing assignments at us and then putting random due dates. So I'm like, ah, fuck it. I'll get it to it when I get to it. Um, And I have been working through it, but it's, again, super easy. So that makes it even more boring when, I don't get to communicate with people and the assignments are bullshit, but, um, and then the, the cool thing though, is this past weekend, my friend, Alan Hinton, a different Alan had his 35th birthday celebration. So I went to Charlotte and you all know that my, my new favorite person in the world, Chanel is in Charlotte. So got to spend time with her and I actually met her parents and that went really well. So Maybe we'll do a episode and we'll talk about meeting the parents because she met my family the week prior. So two very interesting interactions, to be honest with you. Um, uh, meet the parents bonus episode. I like it. So maybe during <laughs> maybe during that a bonus episode for our patrons, I'll also tell you my 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 Charlotte why I got banned from Charlotte's story. Uh, <laughs> <possible, actually. laughs> So we we could do a whole entire Charlotte uh, Charlotte episode for uh, for our patrons. That'll be fun. Um, <laughs> fun times. Um, oh, cool! Sounds like things are busy as always, if not less busy. But yeah, cool. Um, and we do plan on doing some more bonus episodes for our patrons soon. I think this weekend we're going to try to do it. So I know we didn't do one last month. We'll get it out there. Uh, we've just been busy. Surprise. Um, <laughs> anyway. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and move right into our predictions from last week and then throw in one that's an old prediction that we had that's haven't brought up in a while. It doesn't really pertain to this these chapters per se. I just kind of want to re- revisit some of these and see if it's still something you guys think is still true. So 
With that being said, so from last week, uh, one of the predictions we had was that Moyle did something bad or stole something, and that's why he's being nervous about being out of the setting. Um, that was a prediction. Uh, another prediction was that uh, Rand needs to be more careful doing Days Tomorrow, that it's going to end up biting him in the ass if he's not if he just keeps on burning shit, which I think was a pretty yeah pretty pretty softball prediction. But yeah, it's uh it's it's <laughs> but yeah, it's there. Um, Randy's be careful. Um, Ian predicted that he's actually Sean Chen because Sean means Ian. So um, uh, I we'll can talk get more about that. We get thirty through as of the chapter. <laughs> yeah, so we get to that chapter. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk more about the Sean Chen because uh, that's coming up. Um, and then the last one, which is a older prediction, kind of bring it back. Uh, um, that Matt's power. We talked about parents' power being a wolf, and that Rand's the dragon. But what's Matt's power? And Ian predicted a while back that Ian or Matt's power is that he's the wild card, and and that's his his magic power is he's just <laughs> he's just a wild card. So uh, I don't know if you guys still think that's true or not, but um, uh, we'll see. Um, he, he shows up again again in this, these chapters a little bit. Yeah, I, I like yeah, all of them. Yeah. I, I still feel good about them. Yeah. yeah. Sounds good. So let's jump right in. Chapter 27, The Shadow in the Night. It's a very eerie or, or scary sounding chapter name. And the icon is Trollocs, the Trolloc symbol. So um, I think last week I asked Chris about that. And Chris said, oh, I don't think we Trollocs yet. They just got to the city. Well, you're, you're wrong. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you guys your prompt in the beginning. That way I can slam you in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were so wrong. <laughs> so let, what, let's uh, you guys want to talk is, about the. What's great is when I when I read the Trolloc part. That's the first thing that went through my mind. I was like, "Well, because I agreed, Chris. I didn't think they were just gonna, you know, jump out in the middle of the city, and then they did." And I was like, "Well, damn." <laughs> 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 I guess they are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we start this chapter off, and uh, Loyal's just going through and, and kind of whining about Dina, like that he was down there playing, you know, I guess he's playing dice, and uh, he was winning a whole lot. But then Dina came in, it's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. And everybody kind of just laughed, but she stole all his money back. And and he's asking Brands like, do you think she was cheating, Rand? <laughs> it's like, well, she, <laughs> she is studying to be a glean man. Like, sleight of hand might be something <laughs> that comes into it. But anyway. Uh, loyal, you know, he's he's Poor he was a loyal. cute guy. He was uh, like so uncomfortable with even asking the question. You don't suppose she, you don't suppose she cheated, do you? Everybody was grinning as if she were doing something clever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point, Chris, I feel like when it comes to loyal, a ma- vast majority of his lines to get the emphasis right, you can't just state them and go through them real quick, Alan. You have to read it in the loyal voice. Like, but Rod, <laughs> she, she called it a little lesson. What did she mean by that? Like, it just obviously, they're uh, Jordan's trying to point out, like he's done before, the, the innocence of loyal. Like, he knows so much as far as book reading goes, but still mm-hmm. so naive about the world around him and, you know, some common. Um, human interactions and communication skills and stuff like that. So it was kind of cute, but felt yeah. bad for him. And obviously, a maybe not full on foreshadowing, but kind of a setup for what's what's to come uh, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Interaction with the Trollocs. So 
Yeah, sure. Definitely poor, innocent, loyal. Yeah. And so they're making their way down the streets, have this conversation, and the streets are pretty much empty. Like, there's no one there anymore. They're kind of in this back area of the four gate where, like, the party's on the other part of the city or the four gate, and they're kind of in these back roads, kind of working their way towards the city, back towards the end. And there's just a group of, you know, puppeteers, and they're carrying a trollic, and they're just sitting there talking, and Rand's thinking about the horn and all this other stuff. And then finally, Loyal pops in and goes, uh, Rand, I don't think that's a puppet. <laughs> and they realized that it wasn't a puppet, that it's actually a real trollic disguised as a puppet. Puppet uh, Realized that the legs weren't moving right, and it jumps out at them. Um, so right away, we get trollics. Yeah, let me just say, <laughs> as I was reading this, I was like, well, they could have waited at least three or four pages in before they completely proved me wrong. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> page in, third page in. Page. Yeah, yeah. I, I do like the Rand's instant interaction. This is definitely a change in character. Like, there's no time to react. Instinct brought the sword out of its sheath in a flashing arch. The moon rises over the lakes. The child staggered back with a bubbling cry, snarling as it fell, even as it fell. Like that was probably the best <laughs> scene for me you know, in a very long time because it was just like, though it was only a few sentences, it was full of action. I can really envision like Rand finally being a badass swordsman for once. And he didn't even have to use the void and he didn't have to use the one power or the taint. He just like, boom, I am one with my sword. So that was was exciting for me. Yeah, and then after you know, Rand kills, dices up this Trolloc, uh, all the Dark Friend runs scatter because they're terrified that Rand just beasted the crap out of a Trolloc. And then, while well, Rand's not even really back to his wits, um, a Trolloc grabs him from behind and lifts him up. Um, and, and always has Rand until Loyal is able to wrestle the Trolloc away. And it has this really intense scene um, here where Loyal's wrestling with his Trolloc and Rand's trying to stab the Trolloc and he's worried about hurting Loyal because they're moving too fast and doesn't want to actually stab Loyal. It thinks about using the power, but can't really figure out. He doesn't, he doesn't have enough control yet. He doesn't understand how to use the power enough. He's just nervous to use anything. Um, yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get to the ending of this. But let's talk about this whole entire interaction because it's a really tense, tense scene. Yeah, so... Uh, I'll tell you what was going through my head as I was reading this. Um, when right off the bat, we stumbled to actual Trollocs. I went, oh, shit. And then, like Chris said, immediately he busts out the sword and dices one up. And I was like, oh, shit. And then when one grabs him, I was like, oh, shit. And then <laughs> when Loyal goes to save him and starts wrestling, I was like, oh, shit. Because I'm thinking we haven't really seen... Uh, Loyal fight really right so you know is loyal gonna bust out some form of magic is he gonna sing a song to a nearby tree and the tree beats up the trollic like i'm just waiting to see or is it just gonna be you know sheer size and brute force which is kind of what it ended up being um i'm still holding out that loyal has uh more awesome fighting skills than this obviously from what he tells us, this was his first time really getting down and dirty. Um, mm-hmm. But with as many books as we have left, I'm sure there's going to be more fights that he gets in 
and I, I'm, I'm interested to see how loyal develops there. Yeah. And then the other interesting thing is, is Rand tries to use the power, but when he tries to, he can't. And all he, and all he gets is taint. Well, like he just gets the oil nastiness. And For sure. Like I said, he could as well have been reaching for the light and truth. The taint slid off of him, soiling him, but there was no flow of light inside of him. Driven by a distant desperation, he tried again and again. And again, there was only the taint. So this, you know, goes to that whole concept of um, desperation being what drives men crazy. Is trying to get that mm-hmm. same feeling that they may have once witnessed or felt. So maybe this is what really starts to drive the men insane. It's like once they've had a taste of the power, as long as they don't use it again, they're all right. But once they realize that even if they wanted to use it, they couldn't use the power. That's when they get really hooked on the attempt to get that, that high yeah. back. So, yeah. Yeah. And right. so what's unique about Rand versus uh, the false dragons before him or, or the, the males that could channel before him. Uh, and he's just, he's very reluctant. He doesn't want it. Even, uh, as he's been successful in channeling and it's benefited him and his friends afterwards, like he's still scared of it and is like, oh my gosh, why'd I do that sort of thing? And even the, mm-hmm. uh, I forget which ones, but the various I said I, when they were chatting about it before, you know, flat out telling him he was the dragon, I think part of Moraine's uh, defense of him was, no, he, you know, he's definitely reluctant. He doesn't want it. So I guess that was part of the prophecy also, right? That the dragon yeah, reborn to be one that you know can be one that was like you know for glory and all that chance. And I, I know I'm totally butchering my paraphrasing here. Um, yeah, but yeah, and we've mentioned yeah. it before. There's he channels successfully without really being jacked up by the taint when he just seeks the void and the power comes. It's almost like the power reaches out to him. But when he mm-hmm. actively and aggressively trying to use the power, that's when Jordan gets back into his description of him being covered in this oily taint. So yeah. I think this is the second or third time he made that distinction. So, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll put a little asterisk on that and I'm sure we'll come back to it again. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, of course, Loyal does end up breaking the neck of the Trolloc and killing the Trolloc. And it's the, and we learned this is the first time Lil's ever killed. And he's horrified by it. Even though it's a Trolloc, he's still like, there's that emotion, uh, just that emotional weight of that. And I can't speak firsthand because I don't think, uh, at least I don't think I've ever killed any person. I've, I mean, I've hunted. So it's not the same thing. Um, but, you know, I could, I could, picture maybe you know a, a soldier or something like that the first time is probably always tough no matter if it's the enemy or not um. yeah i like well I, I was caught up in in the words that loyal used um much like jordan he's very intentional in the words that he uses when he speaks he says i know but i cannot like it even a trollic uh he doesn't say i don't like it he says he cannot so it yeah. still leaves open, uh, you know, maybe in doing this, Loyal was surprised that, 
man, I can't even I can't even say it about Loyal. Not that he liked it, but that he was okay with it. Or in the moment, even he felt justified, and 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 that challenged his his moral base. You know, I'm sure the Ogiers have been raised very differently. So, right. Anyways, I I, I circled yeah. that. I did too. I was right yeah. there with you. Like I, I agree with you. The syntax of it all, the way it was worded, is as if maybe this is something that, like you said, maybe spiritually Ogier cannot like, or they're not supposed to do. And then also maybe there's another side to Ogier, like maybe they become bloodthirsty. Like there was also that Ooh. thought that entered my mind. I was like, maybe once he gets a taste of it, he just can't stop. So there's like there's there's bloodthirsty Ogier out there that just kill everything and they I get mean, why else would they like... need to go and hide away in the stead? Huh. Stay yeah. away and, from and they them. focus they focus so hard on being peaceful and this, that and the other. And it's not because they're peaceful to their core. It's that they know if they slip up a little bit, they could wipe out entire populations. Yeah. They could sing people to death. They could use the trees to do evil things, create nasty force that will snatch men. Maybe they created the one in Oz. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, we don't know enough now. No matter how that sounds, that's, that's a possibility right now. Um, so yeah, they, so they see more coming, so they start running, um, and they realize they're being hunted. Um, there's Trollocs now everywhere, everywhere they turn, there's more puppets and they realize the puppets are actually Trollocs because the way their legs are moving and there's now, and now Trollocs aren't even puppets anymore. They're like peeking around corners, still trying to be sneaky, not being seen by people, but there's definitely bands of dark friends and Trollocs everywhere. And they're being herded like a more further away from the people. Um, and it's kind of this moment of desperation where, like, they kind of come to the end of the foregate. It's like, okay, we can make a run on the open, then we're done for, or we have to sneak in somewhere. And Rand sees a large, what thinks is the Lord's Manor. And it's like, maybe we can hide in there. And Loyal's like, that's the Illuminator's chapter house. We can't go in there. And Rand's like, no, we have to go in there. It's like this little argument because Rand has no idea what that is. Um, and, and neither do we as a reader at first. Uh, know what the we don't. I don't think we've even heard the Illuminators before, have we? Yeah, we have we talked about the Illuminators. Yeah, we. It was mentioned briefly. Uh, okay. By who I don't remember. Maybe Celine mentioned it, or it, I don't know. But because yeah. we talked about it, and and them dealing with fireworks or something like that. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah. So right here. So let's talk about this whole scene where they're running before we get to this. Uh, this girl that shows up. <laughs> yeah. Landfair. She can stay where she was. Well, yeah. So what do you guys think about this whole, like, hurting them, like, away from the people? Like, obviously, it's intentional, but, like, just the action of this and the way it's written. Um, I have to start with, and, and I know we already kind of have an answer of how this works, but it still boggles my mind that, multiple Trollocs can somehow infiltrate an area like this with nobody noticing. Uh, And I know we talked about them using the ways before and they can cross vast distances and doing that and not be detected. But uh, I mean, Rand couldn't make it into this town without, you know, everybody knowing about him showing up and what we get about the culture is everybody's always looking over their shoulder and looking around and paying attention to every little detail because it might be part of the game. Right. 
Uh, there's mm-hmm. no way these actual Trollocs, at least in daylight for sure, could ever pass as a puppet. I don't know. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. The, the story moves on. But but the, but this this is nighttime at this point. So, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe they came in at night. Yeah. yeah. Sneaky. Sneaky Trollocs. Anyway, so... Um, so they get to the Illuminator's chapter house, and suddenly you hear a girl's, girl's voice say, what trouble have you got yourself into now? And we get our, our good old friend Celine back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right at the right time. You know, it shows right back up. Um, and she's not even faced at all this Trollocs. She's like, yeah, whatever, there's Trollocs. Um, and Rand's like, we got to get away. And, and she's just like, okay, calm down. We'll figure something out. Um, uh, you know, and... They get to this door and they decide to go through there. Loyal's protesting. Uh, and you learn a little bit more that it might be just as dangerous to go to the Illuminator's house because they'll kill you too. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they they uh, they hold their secrets to how they do the fireworks and everything pretty close to their, their chest. So nobody nobody gets access to that. Right. I agree. Yeah. It'd be... Go ahead. No, because I'm going down a different rabbit hole. So go ahead. No, I was going to say, before we get to the door, Celine does tell Rand to seek the void and to calm down. So she it's going back this whole thing. She was doing that beforehand, telling him to seek the void all the time. Um, and she was doing it again. She's going right back into the whole glory, seek the void talk that she was before it. Like, just take, keep, picks up right where she left off. Well, I like, like, literally the way it describes is that she just kind of stepped around the corner. It had just rounded her white dress bright in the dimness. And then... She says, so I saw, as if she'd been watching him for some time. Like, how does she see? Why is she just popping up? How is it that she can just pop up? Is she traveling some sort of way? Like, so many questions to ask. And then, like you said, getting to the fact that she's just like, seek the oneness and be calm. One who would be great must be calm. And oneness is, of course, capitalized. So it's like telling you to find that very important thing, that very important place. So mm-hmm. we yeah. see if he ever masters how to use the void properly. At this point, that's the Trollocs are like kind of catching up to them. They and Celine shows them a door. So here's a door. Let's go in, and the door is open. Um, so they go in, close the door behind them, and there's a place where there should be like a bar to bar the door, but there's no bar, so they can't. Uh, you know, cl- you know, lock the door. But um, you know, his you know, logic, Rand's logic. You know, better to be arrested than have tr- you know trollocs. So um, and Loyal's like, uh, eliminators don't arrest you; they'll just kill intruders. <laughs> so <laughs> you might be dead here. He's like, but you know, it's better to talk to eliminators. Basically, maybe we can talk to them. You can't talk to trollocs. So eh, you know, Rand's logic's a little bit sound, I guess. Uh, he doesn't know. You know, he knows the threat of Trollocs. He doesn't know the threat of Eliminators. So they make their way through some of the alleys, and they get to a courtyard. And there's some people talking in the courtyard. Um, some of the Eliminators there. And they're talking about the display. Uh, kind of get this theme. There's an open courtyard. There's tons of tubes everywhere. And Ian and I are very, very familiar with these things. Um, <laughs> they call them tubes in the book. We call them mortars. Uh, <laughs> uh, these are we've like used these plenty of times. Than- these are likely much bigger than what we ever used. I think the biggest one I ever got my my hands on was a four inch mortar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which was still which pl- still a pretty big mortar. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, 
light but, light and run. These are, yeah, light and run. Yeah, but these these are pretty big borders. These are a lot. These are probably a lot bigger borders than these are like the professional grade ones, like the the, the ones they put on for cities and stuff like that. That are oh yeah, you need like a license to buy. So, but big 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 fireworks. Um, and you learn a little bit about fireworks here. So we go into the backstory about how the, you know it's very rare that back in, back in two rivers they had fireworks and. And you were told never to open them up because they might blow up if you open them up. That's what the luminaries always tell you. But of course, Matt tried to once because it's Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that's Matt. Um, so let's talk about you know this whole entire scene uh, before uh, before we get to the next craziness that erupts. So, what do you think about the tension here? What do you think about the the, the adding this whole new group of characters in here, you know, the eliminators we've t- mentioned before, but now we're, we're adding kind of them in as culture, they have their own culture. It's just very, yeah. Uh, I got to back it up just a little bit, not too much, but just a tad uh, right before they, uh, they step inside or whatever, uh, or maybe right after, but Rand says to Celine, I'm sorry, I got you into this. And she says, all saucy. Danger adds a certain something. And so far, you handle it well. Shall we see what we find? And then as she brushed past him up the alleyway, Rand followed the spicy smell of her filling his nostrils. Um, there will be uh, another part when we read forward when I bring this up again. But uh, I, I'm back to thinking that Celine is some old hag witch. Or, uh, I mean, I, I'm still on the land... Uh, what was it? Landfear was that her name? Landfear. I'm still yeah. on. I'm still on that train that it might be Landfear, but she's using something to kind of, at least in front of them, mask herself and make herself look like this young, beautiful, radiant, irresistible, whatever. Um, because every time there's interaction, Jordan has made it a point to mention something about her, her perfume or something like that that catches Rand's attention or, or fills his nostrils or whatever. So. Definitely made a point of that. So, Chris, what do you think about this whole culture of eliminators? Uh, personally, I think it's really interesting that they are hiding their chemistry, essentially, quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of like the whole hidden area inside of a city. It reminded me of Martin when it came to the Dragon Fire. So that, mm. that definitely came yep. to mind, and then. Of course, it kind of was cultish. So, you know, the, the lowest of lows cannot speak to the higher people. I was like, oh, get over yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it was just pretty interesting to see that they're bringing in these new characters and they're bringing in a new job. And they you know, kind of give enough information about it for you to kind of draw what the purpose of them are. Now, beyond the fact that they've got, like, secret recipes for creating explosives, I would wonder why people would be worried about them working for somebody that they're not or being caught up in something they're not supposed to be. Like, are their secrets mm-hmm. actually deadly enough? They have a control over it. I guess we will find that out soon enough. Yeah. I feel, I feel like this is a so, group of people that might um, have a a vast knowledge of all of the workings of all these different cultures that we run into all over the place because they have this product that, you know, they 
cell essentially that goes everywhere, but they're also rather secluded. You know, I, I take it as the type of people that keeps themselves, they keep their secrets, their culture, everything to themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously as they're traveling around, they're finding out information. So maybe if there's actually some good interaction between our characters and theirs, um, the illuminators, maybe we find out some more stuff. And then I also started thinking yeah. we have, we haven't run into this opportunity yet, but, uh, with every different culture group of people that we've run into, especially the ones that are, um, shut off from, you know, other areas, either because of geography or whatever, uh, as they've come together, we find like these different variations of prophecies or some totally different prophecies. Uh, so I started mm, thinking about yeah. that as I'm reading it, like maybe we find out from the Illuminati that there's a whole nother wrinkle to the prophecy of the dragon reborn that we, that nobody else knew about, but they kept that story alive in their culture. So, uh, just some things nice. I started thinking about running into these new people. Yeah. So, yeah. So we get to the next scene and Loyal's, Loyal's make his way through the racks now. And he's bumping into him because he's big and he's clumsy. He's <laughs> trying to be careful, but he just keeps on bumping into racks. And they're like, Loyal, stop. <laughs> and then finally, Loyal, Loyal knocks over a rack full of smoldering sticks, which are like punks, you know, like the, um, you know, the, you, you actually can buy these for fireworks that you can smolder and help you light fireworks if you're too scared to get the lighter to fuse, whatever. Um, but, you know, the sticks fall over and it lights one of the fuses and one of the fireworks go off. So they duck behind a wall and hide. And, you know, people come out like crazy. Like, I thought you said everything was secure. Like, what are you doing? You know, um, people start arguing over what happened. Everybody's yelling at each other. Uh, but they're just hiding in the corner in the shadows uh, during all this. So I just found this scene kind of funny because I could see definitely this happening with Ian and I. Um, it <laughs> reminds me a lot yeah. of uh, of a time where we went and lit fireworks off where we weren't supposed to um, in Colonial Williamsburg. And um, and the cops got called, and <laughs> and, um, and and they showed up, and I just remember them like literally like swarming us. And Ian, quick on his feet, was like, "Hey, yeah, I think I saw some guys running with fireworks down that way." They took off running t- that that direction. <laughs> <laughs> like literally, like it worked. Like I never thought. Like I thought the cops would like question us, but like no, it was just like like yeah, I saw the guys. They went that way, and they just ran after that down. Some rabbit, you know, goose chase. So, Did random goose chase. Me. And we- <laughs> yeah, so we got away, and it was us that put the fireworks off. But anyway, that was fun times. Um, <laughs> no one was hurt. Um, and that's exactly yeah, so- how Rand and Loyal get away. They get caught, but they, they just point out the window and go, look, it's them over there, and then they, they run away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wait, no! Slide. So this, re- <laughs> this 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 brought back some of those memories, and I, I thought this was hilarious. Oh, I just found sure. this whole scene, yeah, great. Uh, and th- this will be a fun one for them to to show in the series. You know, uh, obviously it's a pretty tense scene. They don't want to, you know, get caught by the Trollocs or the Illuminators or whatever. So they're they're trying to be like Sorry. super stealthy. But you you pointed it out, like how is Loyal gonna just carefully creep around this area with all of these explosives and stuff and so yeah yeah this will be fun <laughs> right yeah so you know people as they're arguing you know Rand kind of makes this whole statement where he says you can't count on luck anymore you know we have to get out of here and celine makes that cool great men make their own luck you know like one of those yeah 
<laughs> Shut up, Stalene. <laughs> Barf. I just vomited um, a little bit. Yeah. And, and they look they look over and they see Trollocs. So there's like so if you can picture this thing, the courtyards has people in it. Um they're hiding behind this wall in the shadows. And they look over and peeking out the alleyway, the Trollocs the Trollocs are looking in from the other side. So there's definitely um this really tense and they're basically in a trap. Um that you have Trollocs on one side, Illuminators on the other side now watching the courtyard. And Rand starts to think of ways out. You know, Rand's like, I can kill the Trollocs real fast, maybe, while you guys run, but then Illuminators will see me, and then I might get caught by them. Um, and Selena keeps on going on about being great and, you know, about greatness, and Rand's trying to block her out as he's trying to think through this. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. I'm wondering, uh, and then finally, I'm wondering, Chris, maybe you can help me jog my memory. Was there ever a, a time before when Celine was trying to force Rand into a decision and as Rand was resisting, a bunch of things started coming after him that were trying to kill him? Think, think, I mean, think. <laughs> yes. Would be the I mean, answer. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, is it, is, is it possible? Is it, is it possible she's somehow controlling the Trollocs as well? You know, we kind of drew that, uh, made that illusion the last go around, and I don't know if she's controlling them or not. Like that, I just don't know. I don't. I want to give her the benefit of that right now. I hope that she's yeah, just some awesome time traveler from the future that's going to help them out. Maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> yes. Everybody travels in time now. Like since time. I just. Good. I'm laughing at your optimism. I think she's absolutely evil. <laughs> I don't I'm, like her I don't, at all. I don't want her to be evil. I think that's the thing. Like I'm tired of, I'm tired of us losing all of our good ones. They're either lost to us and I, or they are us and I already. So I need somebody yeah. to be not us and I, but has special powers and be all about helping Rand out and not manipulating <laughs> him. Which, based on that laugh, I'm yeah. just going to go ahead and assume that I can keep guessing or keep hoping that it's not going to happen. But I'd like for Rand yeah. to find happiness. Yeah. Well, we got we got 15 books, maybe. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe it's just a tragedy. It's just like it's just like Oedipus. It just gets getting worse and worse, you know. <laughs> Closes book 15. Um, well, gosh, that really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so Rand finally comes with a plan. He's like, all right, loyal Celine, go find a door. I'll take care of the Trollocs. Don't worry about it. Just go. So they take off. The Trollocs see Loyal and Celine and start to move towards them. And Rand just goes, jumps in the courtyard, grabs one of the tubes, points it at the Trollocs, and lights the sucker. Mm. <laughs> so I can see uh, Ian doing like, that, actually. <laughs> I thought about Ian throughout that entire thing. Yeah, I, like, all right. Before, I, I took one of the two-inch mortars. Uh, now, okay. We were renting a house my junior and senior year uh, in Colonial Williamsburg. It was built in like 1913 by a former Virginia governor, blah, blah, blah. So historical house. We're renting it. Uh, one of my roommates, like we're always one up in, one up in each other on pranks. And Alan might have brought this up before. <laughs> I just brought some of these fireworks, lit one of them. Threw it in the room that he was in when he was um, talking to a girl and shut the door. Talk- <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Let me tell you, the boom when you're indoors, they're pretty loud, and the flash fairly bright. But what you don't realize when you do one of those indoors is how much smoke comes out. <laughs> all of the smoke detectors in the house were going off. All everybody else is coming out of their room, like you know, thinking the house is on fire and everything. So. Yeah, um, there's a reason you could see me doing that, Chris. <laughs> because that is right in my house. <laughs> it's one of my bag of tricks. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the woman watching from the window screams when she sees Rand doing this. And, um, yeah, it blows up. And tubes scatter everywhere. The Trollocs blow up. There's a hole in the wall. There's nothing left of the Trollocs. Like, it, it, it blew the Trollocs up. Like... <laughs> It reminds me of like you ever seen that video where they dynamite that whale? It's just like raining down like blood and flesh. Yeah. And, like, Who thought <laughs> that'd be a good idea? <laughs> it's, like, not a good idea. But, yeah, it's, and, and yeah, and, and Rand's kind of stunned because yeah, it's he's like ears rigging. It's smoke everywhere, and um, he shouts, so he starts running too. Um, and uh, it, it so yeah, so he, so he escapes. So before we get outside the wall, any last thoughts from all of this? Um, you know, the, the, the illuminators are full panic, you know, they're in a full run getting out of there, but thoughts about this before we get out of the, out of the, out of the building. This, this last little bit here and all the fireworks and everything, even with the Trollocs coming, it just, to me, it stayed very fun and funny. I don't know why, but I was just giggling as I was reading it. Even, even this last thing (laughs) with him lighting off that firework. Like, I didn't see it coming. Like, we started to have the Rand fighting, you know, I don't want to use the power, you know, that's not me, blah, 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 blah. But, like, he's about to be forced in a situation where, all right, he's going to have to, right? So I'm thinking he's going to do some sword moves, you know, Sidine's going to wrap him up in a blanket and blah, blah, blah. And then last second he goes, no, fuck it, firework. Bam! And just totally. <laughs> uh, so I thought, it, I thought it was hilarious. It was, it was great. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Did you enjoy this scene as well, Chris? I did. I pretty much enjoyed this entire chapter. It all kind of just, again, made me a little bit frustrated, but at the same time, I was like, okay, finally we're getting some action. And I really was hoping to see more sword play, so I will continue to read for more of that. Yeah. So, yeah, so... Gets the next scene. They're outside the walls. They're running. And Rand's like, "Where's Celine?" And like, Lo's like, "Uh, she disappeared. I don't know. She's she's gone." And Rand's like, "Did she went then? Like, she went back. She ran back in there." And like, Rand's like, "Well, we have to go back for her." And like, Lo's like, "No, you're not going back for the girl. Like, that, that, that's that's a bad idea. Like, just leave her. <laughs> We're done." So, um, I thought that was interesting too. Like, I mean, obviously, Rand has, you know, she's hot. I get it so hot <laughs> but but still at the same time like really yeah no no reason to go back um uh, ski running um thoughts on that <laughs> i'm i'm just waiting for this interaction with the uh the lady at the end i'm back yep. on my conspiracy theory with Celine. oh yeah so yeah so they get back to the end and the innkeeper immediately hands red a note and it has Celine's seal on it. But wait, who gave her the uh, note? Who gave her the note? Someone read it. Some old, yeah. See, yeah, old, this has got like the Game of Thrones feeling to it. 
But when, it was an old lady. Which was Celine, and her potion was worn <laughs> off. I'm telling you. She's got these old hag. Profied. Yep. Yep. That's my theory. I'm sticking so, to yeah. it. So, yeah. There you go. So, yeah, so some old lady had given the innkeeper this note. It's Celine Seal. He cuts it open. He reads it. Um, and it talks about glory and how um, he will always be hurt. I think I know what you're going to do. You do something else. You are a dangerous man. Perhaps it will not be long before we are together again. Think of the horn. Think of the glory. And think of me. For you are always mine. She almost implies like him being in danger and being hurt and potentially killed as it brings them back together. As she's just like yeah. an ethereal, like she's not there. Yeah. That would be something. If maybe she's a ghost that could solidify her form or they pulled her out of the parallel. Yeah. So, gosh, I didn't yeah. even think of that, but quite possibly. I underline the together again and you are always mine. And you know, I go back to uh, the prophecy of, you know, Lanfear will come back. And then the stories about how Lanfear and the original dragon, like she was all up his butt, but then he ended up with somebody else and she was all, you know, scorned woman, which would explain a lot why Celine's such a jerk because, you know, hell hath no fury, right? Mm-hmm. All of this, it's just, I have, I have conspiracy notes uh, instead of like handwriting stuff. In my little journal here, I, I cut out letters from different magazines and whatnot and write my conspiracy yeah. that's about Celine here. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then the chapter ends with Rand uh, wishing that Inktar would just come back. Like, would he just come back so we can just go ahead and leave and be on this? That's the prime movie. Yeah, so that's the end of this chapter. So final thoughts or anything we missed? Uh, there's a lot, but... Yeah, this was fun. It really was. Not, not. It was fun to get some action. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So moving on to chapter 28, a new thread in the pattern. And the icon, like we talked about last week, is a wolf. Um, so we're back on parent. Yay. We, like you said, we haven't visited them in a while. It, it, we're, we were due. It's time. Um, we were so. due, and I'm excited for it, but we'll get there. Some other character definitely steals the show in this chapter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This chapter is definitely about someone else, but and it's only like four pages long. Yeah, yeah. This this chapter is a short chapter, but it's uh there's a lot packed in here though. Um. Yeah. So it's 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 a lot. Um. So. Do you have anything about a new thread of the pattern? I know last time I don't think we really predicted too much about the chapter title, but um, um, basically it's just that if you got to read the chapter, it's basically about what this guy says. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's jump right into it. So parent and party, they they get the Kingslayer's dagger. So we're now catching up to where, if you remember, a couple of chapters ago, it seems like such a long time ago, 
when they got to the portal stone world, they were at Kinslayer's dagger. That's where they stole the horn back. Um, and parents there, he's been talking to the wolves. Um, and the wolves are telling him that the twisted ones are ahead. And that's what the, the twisted ones is what the wolves call Trollocs. Um, they're the twisted ones. Um, yeah. And Varen is super eager to get to Rand. Like, like that's nothing. It starts the chapter with Varen being super eager. He's, she's pushing hard. Like, we need to find Rand. We need to find Rand. And Ingtar super, super pushing to find the horn. We got to find the horn. There's a lot of motives going on here. It's very, very evident that they're getting kind of, kind of itchy, a little bit, uh, a little bit impatient to catch up. Um, and Ingtar wants to know more about these images or more about what, what parents talking for the wolves, you know, obviously it's images he gets. Um, so before we get to what, what parents says, initial opening thoughts on this, I guess, opening scene. Well, uh, we're, we're starting to lose Matt again. We, we forgot to kind of touch on that. You know, mm-hmm. he, he's struggling. Varen's trying to uh, heal him here and there, but, you know, he's he's still slowly slipping. Mm-hmm. So, so that's got me a little thin. Yeah. yeah. I like the way, first off, how the wolves call them the twisted ones. Like, it's pretty neat. I know it's pretty much because they are like a mix of different types of things right so it just I, I don't know why that intrigues me but it almost infers like that was done on purpose somehow and they're yeah. not like their own breed but maybe they were created that way and then slowly became that way I don't know they don't the that, that, that trucks were created yeah oh is that a prediction yeah let's make a new prediction Okay, Trollocs were created, mm-hmm. and then they but, started to breathe. And they started to breathe. Yeah. Okay. Like Frank, like Frankenstein style. Uh, well, you know, magically, but sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then we, <laughs> um, like parents focus on Ran. Is is kind of interesting too because we know that Perrin and Matt and Rand kind of had it out, mm-hmm. and so you know I've been waiting for Perrin to kind of have a little change of heart because he's still a big softy under that wolf exterior. So you know mm-hmm. he's he's a pack animal, and and Rand is part of this pack. So I'm glad that he's yeah, actually yeah. looking after his friend, trying to get back to him. So I'm excited yeah. for that. And I, I get the feeling that after the fact, you know, Perrin is a little bit more empathetic towards Rand and what Rand tried to do to push them away. Because um, Perrin's also obviously going through his own transformation that he has not told everybody. And also, if he told everybody, there would be those that, uh, you know, might want to kill him or, you know, send him away or something like that. So may not be on the same level, but I think he, you know. He, he could kind of empathize a little bit with Rand and what he's going through. Yeah. He's got love for him. Yeah. So we get to this next part where Ingtar is asking Perrin about, like, you know, where are they? Where's the horn? And and uh, Perrin says, I don't know about the horn, so I guess the wolves don't really care about this horn thing, but they said the Trollocs were killed by someone they called Shadow Killer. And they don't fear the Shadow Killer. They're actually kind of in awe of him. Um, it's a person. And Ingtar's like, it's probably just a fade. And 
parents like, I don't think it's a fade. I, and, and parents think it's rat. Um, it's kind of cool that the wolves have named uh, or have this shadow killer concept. It's shadow killer. But now the Trollocs are chasing shadow killer. So we have to go after them. I was going to say, like, it, at first I thought Fane was the shadow killer, but now I'm, like, wondering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why would they be in awe of Fane? Like, well, it was Rand that killed the Trollocs. He diced a bunch of them up. Yeah. The horn back. Yeah. So, but see this. So something happened. There, there's been some significant change or transformation with Rand mm-hmm. because the wolves were tracking Rand before. They went mm-hmm. through the uh, whatchamacallit, the stone portal thingamabobber. Mm-hmm. Right? Because they, right. they gave the report to Perrin and be like, yeah, we were able to track them this far, da da da, and then nothing. They just disappeared, right? Right. And then when they reappear, it's I was I was thinking at some point when they reappeared, the wolves would get back to Perrin and be like, Hey, we found your friend again, he's here. But they didn't do that. And even in passing this story along. Um, or this report along back to Perrin, it's not Rand dice him up, it's Shadow Killer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible the people that, or the wolves that found Rand were not the same, exact same ones tracking him before, but the way they have this hive mind thing, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, I, I think it's significant that they don't recognize who it is and they call him Shadow Killer. Yeah. So something changed with Rand when he went through when he passed through the stones. Yeah. And then while they're having this conversation, Inuk shows up and he comes up and says, Hey, Inktar, I got to tell you, there's an Aiel guy up in the rocks over there. And I'm really surprised because he's this far from the waist. Like it's, we're really far from the waist. Aiel don't come this far. So it's, I don't know why he's here. And the fact that I saw him means he wanted to be seen. Like, cause normal, like you learn a little bit more, more about Aiel. Like you'd never be able to see him unless they wanted to be seen. Like they're just super, super, Good at blending in and, and not being seen. And if you see one, that means there's a ton of them out there somewhere. So we have to be really careful right now. Um, and the Aiel man just comes down to meet them. And obviously the Shinarans think it's about to be attacked. So they lower their lances in this really tense scene. And Inktar's like, stop, stop, do not attack him. Like, obviously, if he showed himself, he doesn't mean to kill us. He wants to talk. Like, let's talk to him. And then we get a description of this Aiel man and the weapons he has and everything about him. So, it's Rand. It's Rand. It's Rand. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Rand stood before them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Perrin definitely recognized that immediately. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, oh, man, there's something to this. <laughs> well, it, was, it, it was Matt. Matt was the one who says he looks like Rand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was Matt, but yeah, so, yeah. So urine is it? Uh, I always say urine, like t- like piss, but <laughs> I think it's I think it's urian. Urian is the way you pronounce it. Um, but urian, it's urine in my head. Yeah, he introduces himself. Um, urian, so uh, tall man with dark skin from the sun and red hair, cut short except for a tail in the back that hung to his shoulders. From his soft, laced, knee-high boots to the cloth wrapped loosely around his neck, the clothes were all in shades of brown and gray that would blend into rock or earth. The end of a short horn bow peeked over his shoulder, and a quiver bristled with arrows at his belt at one side. A long knife hung at the other. In his left mm-hmm. hand, he gripped a round, high buckler and three short spears, 
no more than half as long as he was tall, with points fully as long as those of the Shinaran lances, like he was decked out from head to toe in weapons. Like you can't even use that many weapons at one time. Like why have so much on you? How is that even threatening? Like you're, it, it would be cumbersome almost, but I guess that's why they're, you know, warrior masters. I, I love what he says next though. He's surrounded by these Shinerian lances, uh, all these guys that are hardened warriors and with just complete utter confidence. He just looks up. I have no pipers to play the tune, but if you wish to dance, <laughs> like <laughs> essentially saying, you're like, hey, you know, it's just me here. I didn't come to fight, but if you wanna, <laughs> I got to <laughs> I'm happy to fight with you. Yeah, I'll, we, I'll, I'll we can do dance. that. <laughs> a little two step in here, but tippity tap tap. Uh huh. <laughs> yep. I, I, that was fantastic. Yeah. So I know, I know you've said before that Rand's ideal, um, but you know, that's just, you know, he's a spitting image of Rand. Matt says that, like he looks exactly like Rand. Um, so I had a question mark. Is Rand ideal? <laughs> question mark. Yes, um, we all know this at this point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's half um, ideal. Yeah. And then, and then Yurian sees Varen and like bows to her and calls her a wise one. And Varen's like super perplexed. He's like, what'd you call me? Like, she says, well, you had to look at the wise ones, uh, the ones that have been to Ru- Ruidian. Um, and he, that's and first survived. Off, and survived. Yeah. And so you start getting a little bit of more about Aiel culture. I mean, this is just a very snippet, snip, snippet of it. But um, it's um, and Varen gets super excited. He's a brown. Ooh, someone new to study, um, you know, and learn more. Yeah. And, and um, you know, she's she's super excited about this. So she starts asking a million questions. He doesn't really want to answer a lot of the questions, but um, you know, Ingtar immediately just breaks into enough of this Aes Sedai questions. Have you seen Trollocs in the Ayo's like, uh, Trollocs? No, but uh, he, but Ayo gets really excited though. He's like, but there's Trollocs down here. That's part. Of, that's part of our prophecy. Um, yeah. So he is super excited because he's like, you know, the prophecies say when the Trollocs leave the Blight, we'll actually leave the threefold land, and you know, and take back the old places that were ours. And and they're like, what's the threefold land? Like, oh, that's what we call the. That's what they called the waste. It's a, a shaping stone to make us a testing ground to prove our worth and a punishment for the sin. Yeah. Yep. And, and they talk about the sin a little bit that no one really knows what the sin is except for the wise one, the clan chiefs. And they don't, they, apparently it's so great. They can't even tell everyone else what it is. Cause it's, it was, you know, it, they, no one's allowed to even know what the sin is. And he, he doesn't even know whether or not they even really know, but apparently they know. But, you know, he eventually tells them, yeah, we haven't seen any Trollocs. Uh, Varys starts asking about Rydian, and he's like, I uh, can't really tell you much, but um, it's where the Janai live, only the wise ones, and Clanchiefs are allowed to go there. And the ones that come back are wise ones and Clanchiefs. A lot of people don't come back. that's no help at all (laughs) yeah but the best part the best part is so he kind of looks around he's like well i told everything i know so are you gonna kill me now yeah i said i 
Yeah, uh, yeah, that's like good. this the, is the part where you get to, right. Yeah, it's like it's like and because we it's like the next like part of our prophecy too is that the Aes Sedai will kill us on spot because we have we have broken our our oath with them or whatever. And it's like what oath? Like we never are what 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 thing are you talking about? Like Varys, like I don't even know what you're talking about. Like it's like I'm not trying to kill you. Like it's like you go ahead and cast your lightning down on me. I'll dance with you, Aes Sedai. Just like Varys, like. I don't want you to kill me. It's like, and he's like, take it back. It's like, kill a woman. I would never kill a woman unless you, unless you're a maid or went to the sphere and you're a fighting woman. I, then I would kill you. But otherwise, I, I could, you know, never. <laughs> so just very, very interesting exchange. I, I love this. Yeah. Let's say the interactions are really just, like you said, interesting. And the the um, comparisons of I mean it's almost like the perfect gentleman. It's like yep, I'm the hardest badass, but I'm also the perfect gentleman. I wouldn't dare hurt you. I wouldn't dare harm you. But yeah. the importance that the I Sedai have in the Aeol society versus mm-hmm. what they hold in the others, like they're not. There's still a mystery in both, but you know the others go through. A, a trial and then they're kind of feared and, and mm-hmm. awed in a different way mm-hmm. than the ones out in the regular world. Yeah. And they also mentioned that men go as well. And they right. come back as chiefs. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the men that go oh, come back as chiefs. That gives me hope for Rand because we know he's ideal. Yes. So he like isn't going to be driven crazy and he's already realized that like the taint is not the power so he needs to leave the taint sourced power alone because he's not getting anything from it like he has such an awareness naturally of what he's not getting um, from it and he's able to like hold himself away from it so it gives me mm-hmm. faith that he's going to be something amazing yeah so up to this point what do you, i mean before we start talking about why he's here what do you guys think about this whole interchange? Like, I mean, there's a lot to talk about and unpack here. So thoughts about this interchange with Varen, thoughts about Iridian, thoughts about uh, the snippet you get about Aiel culture, just overall. Well, Let's do we know how many else. clans there are? There are 13? 13, 13 clans, yes. So I know he's mentioned the 13th clan. And so I wonder if there's like a whole clan of Aiel that are also, um, I, well, would I say be the term? Wise that ones. Magical, they... Well, yeah, we call them wise ones, but what would, what would, what would we really consider it? Like those are just titles. I guess they're yeah. people that are impacted by the one power or that can tap into the power. Like mm-hmm. I wonder if they have like a whole, whole clan of people that are like ready, that are like hardened and war ready and, you know, could pop up at any moment and just like destroy some shit. Yeah, but Jin Aiel is the thirteenth clan, I guess. Right? Is that what he says? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll make this comment real quick. Uh, I've complained before about the lack of you know a true reliable narrator. That I mean, we've all read those books where you have some discourse between characters, but then you get a couple paragraphs where the narrator just breaks in and gives you all the backstory on. Like here, it would be a half a page where we just learn about 
um, the IEL and they're, you know, the narrator's like, boom, this is what you need to know. But obviously Jordan doesn't do that. And we have to figure these things out through different people's perspectives and then interactions like this. But I'll say in this particular instance, uh, I absolutely loved it. And in such a short amount of time, just a couple of pages and a little bit of back and forth between uh, Urin and Varin and, and whatnot, we learned so much about IO culture yeah. that we didn't know just in his few responses. And uh, I mean, I have highlights all over this. I might as well have just highlighted the whole pages, but uh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they finally ask why he's here. Um, and he says, well, I'm here because I'm looking for he who comes with the dawn. And they're like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> he's, he goes, I don't really know, but there's signs. And when I see them, I'll know. And like he's and he draws on the ground. He's like he'll have the symbol and draws the ancient ice and ice symbol on the ground, the circle with the the sinuous line, the same symbol that was on the seals, the ancient ice and ice symbol. He says he'll conquer all the nations under this symbol. <laughs> um, and the dragon uh, reborn, and that yeah. is his army. <laughs> we all and, know this. <laughs> So if, if only somebody would have predicted that Rand was going to go over there and get all the tribes to join together and then come back and fight as one. Like uh, if somebody was that smart to think about that and predict it. Man to do that. Yeah, especially if he predicted it a long time ago. <laughs> like before all of this. <laughs> yeah. Watch it not happen and me just look like an ass, but so far I think it's happening. <laughs> I think yeah. it's happening. Exactly. So, yeah. So, and Varen says she doesn't know anything about this um, and, and says, I don't know who he who comes to the Don is. And he's like, all right, well, if you don't know who he is, I'm leaving. And he just leaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like, he's like, deuces, I gotta go find this guy. Uh, that's why we're here. Um, and, Question. Yeah. Question. Did mm-hmm. Varen just lie to him? Because huh. that well, seemed like a... Because Varen knows about Rand, and she's seen him, and she's got to know the backstory, uh, you know, what Moraine told about Tam and how he found Rand, and that fits this Aiel's description perfectly. And then she, I cannot tell you... Oh, no, you're right. She says, I cannot tell you where he is. Yeah. But then she also says, and I have heard of no signs or portents to God. Oh, no, you're right. Dang it. I said I words. (laughs) She didn't lie. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, (laughs) sneaky. Yeah. So, yeah, so he leaves. Um, and they're like, okay, we need to make time up. And Matt turns to the parents, like, was he, was he just talking about Rand? <laughs> like, <laughs> Matt, Matt asked Perrin that, and parents like, I don't know, <laughs> but, but we got to go. Um, uh, so you know, Varen's just kind of perplexed, just sitting there for a minute, like completely confused, like deep in thought. And then she kind of like sticks to it, just like, all right, we got to go, we got to hurry, everybody. And she starts barking orders like Ingtar, like everybody on the horses, let's go. Um, and that ends the chapter. So, like you said, it's a really short chapter, but you get a whole lot packed in here. Thoughts? I thought it was interesting that we had the wolf 
and mm -hmm. it really wasn't about parent like it was observation i guess from parents point of view but yeah the chapter wasn't really about parent at all right it's about the ideal i mean that's what yeah. the chapter's about mm -hmm. so what do you think about the the ideal prophecies i mean like you get a tidbit of that you know they're they definitely have their own prophecy i mean ian alluded to that a little bit earlier that you have all these cultures and different prophecies like the dark one has their own prophecy because you have the dark prophecy from way back a couple chapters ago. We have the, the Koreathon cycle, which is the formal dragon prophecy in this world. Then we have this Aiel prophecy. Obviously, the, even the wolves have names for something because they call Shadow Killer. Like, so they even, even the animals have maybe somewhat of a prophecy. Like, who knows? But maybe they have a prophecy. <laughs> like, it's, like, what's your thoughts about all this? Does the wheel of time weave threads into the pattern of which we know nothing? Or does the dark one touch the pattern again? Just thought that was really interesting because it's like, is the pattern itself changing or is the pattern being changed? Hmm. And either way, change is occurring, but is it for good or for bad? Is yeah. it a natural occurrence or is it being influenced? We're still asking the same question that we started asking a book ago. Well, uh, I also think our uh, white tower ladies need to learn a little humility. Um, it, they, at times, they act like know-it-alls. And even, even in action, so Moraine and our current Amerlin and, and whoever else is on the end here, They've been working on this plan for so long based off of what they knew from the prophecies, from their version. And they've done some pretty significant uh, and dicey stuff and taken a lot of risk to move forward with that. And now we're finding out that not only do they not have the whole picture or understand the whole prophecy, they might not even know the half of it. I mean, yeah. we saw Moraine desperate to try and find more information like, okay, what is the connection between the dragon and the horn and this, that, and the other? And from their sources, they can't find any. But then we have Tom, who's able to sing a couple jingles that, you know, kind of relates a few more things. And then we have the, uh, the dark prophecy that was written in blood or whatever. And then we have the Aeol and everything. So I have a feeling it's not as convoluted um, I, I think as we're able to piece all this together, it'll make more sense. So within the next, oh gosh, if I had to put a book number on it, within the next 15 books, I think we're finally going to piece all those puzzles together. Uh, maybe. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> 15 books. Yeah, sure. Uh, we'll piece everything together by then. Maybe. 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 Yeah. So, any other final thoughts? The way you said that, if this book were to, if this series were to end on a cliffhanger, I would be so frustrated and so angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and so could you imagine, like, uh, and just go back. So, Robert Jordan passed away after writing, um, uh, the, the, I think, book eleven, um, and there's fourteen books. So, or fifteen, if you include the prequel. And he wrote the prequel too, but so, but so 13 or 
12, 13, 14, the last three books, he had already died. died. So when people were reading this the first time, it, he died. It hasn't finished. Like it was, everyone thought that this was over, like that never going to get the end. Um, and then they handpicked Brandon Sanderson and uh, apparently Robert Jordan had written enough notes um, that basically a lot of the last three books are still all Robert Jordan's writing. It's just that Robert, Brandon Sanderson had a piece to get pieces, uh, but it's still him. Um, so, but it's still like, could you imagine reading this back in the nineties and then the author dies? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, no. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people did get through that, rough. yeah, that emotion yeah. that, uh, yeah, that, that you're talking about, but yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and and yeah, and Harriet, um, uh, Robert Jordan's wife, did handpick Brandon Sanderson to to finish him. I think we talked about that before, but yeah. So anyway, so yeah, that's that's the end of this chapter. <laughs> so chapter twenty nine, Sean Chan, um, and the image uh, icon. You guys are all over the place. You get you find out what it is in this chapter. It's the helmet. Um, that uh, they, they describe later in the chapter. Um, uh, I thought we, we nailed it. Uh, you guys were... Uh, you said Did we like, end up saying they were like sea samurais? Yes. yes. Like, okay, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what they are. That's what I'm looking at. Sure. sure. Okay, yeah. So you got it. Yep. <laughs> so it's a Sean Shen helmet. But, Mark uh, one in the yeah. wind column. <laughs> yeah. Sea samurais. Samurai. Yeah, sea samurais. Samurais. Say that five times fast. Um, sea samurai. Sea samurai. Sally sleeps with sea samurais from Sea Shan on the seashore. It's Sean Chen. Sean Chen. Um, so, so yeah. So let's get right to this. Uh, this this episode or this chapter. Um, so instead of going right to talking about the Sean Chen, we're going to go right to the White Cloaks because we haven't talked to the White Cloaks in a while. Um, we're, we're back with Jeff from Bornhold and do you guys remember Bornhold? Yeah. yeah. He's kind of high up, yeah. but not super high up. And then he, he's been trumped in power by these inquisitors or questioners or whatever they are. Right. Like so he we was ordered the, to obey them. Right. Yeah. So like really early in the book, they had a little section where he was told to go out towards the Almuth Plain, which is near Toman Head. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was upset about it. He's like, go meet people out there and they'll tell you what to do once you get out there. And that was really early on in the book. So now we're back in this perspective. He's out there and he's going to this village and people are dead. There's dead bodies everywhere. They've killed tons of people. They go past a bunch of gallows. Um, there's like 30 bodies hanging from the gallows, like kids and women and and. Bornhold's actually really upset about all this. He's like, you know, I, I hate a dark friend just as much as everybody else, but this is absurd. Like, you know, like you guys are abusing the crap out of your power. Like, this is not right. And Born, you know, and, and remember, if you remember all the way back from book one, Bornhold was the one who was the grandfatherly figure that came in yeah, with Parent. When Captain Parrot, yeah. Yeah, Captain so, Parrot yep. in the way. Yeah, but he definitely has like a not necessarily soft spot, but like definitely is more of a practical type person. Is like right. I'm I all about he's justified and fair. He kind of comes yeah. off that way to me, right? But it's obvious that the questioners are leading the way, and and you do whatever they say. Um, and and 
you know, and Vorderhold actually asked, you know, whose work was this? Was this, uh, you know, the Shanshan's work that they killed, you know, they killed these people or was it, and you pretty much found out it was the questioners that did it all. Um, that, that so they fucked up. Yeah. Um, and he's, he's pissed. He's not happy about it at all. Um, but he's a full-on so, army. He's a military man, and his objective was to right. obey the questioners. Point blank, period. He is going to remain loyal to his commander, and he's going to do what he's told. So right. that sucks. Right. So, you know, Bordhold orders them to cut them down. He's like, go ahead and cut them all down. You know, uh, and he's looking at the people in the in the village. They all look defeated. You know, I mean, look, I mean, they have been defeated, but they look depressed. I mean, these people have been completely destroyed. Um, like, even, even if they were your enemy, this isn't an enemy to fear anymore, and it's not an enemy to keep beating down. Like they're right. defeated, right? They're defeated. That you're, you're you've won. Uh, there's no there's no sense of staying here and keep on killing more people and doing what you're doing here um so let's let's talk about this opening scene and what your thoughts are i mean well it said like there had been slight resistance here only half a dozen dwellings gave off columns of smoke the end was still standing he saw white plastered stone like almost every structure Mm -hmm. but then you get the there were small bodies hanging there elders even Bayer stared at it in disbelief. We know Bayer was the one that kind of a jerk. Yeah. And Bayer was the one that was like, like he was into the torture of a and parent when they were captured. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. is kind of the jerk. Even he, even he's kind of taken back. Like this is messed up guys. Um, well, he, he was okay with uh, muffin up parent and Egwene, but he was convinced at the time that they were dark friends. Mm-hmm. And so he felt like he was just, in doing that but right. when he questions when Bornhold questions buyer and he was like um and children buyer did children become dark friends uh and buyer gives the he toes the line with the answer in words he says yeah. the sins of the mother to the fifth generation sins of the father to the yeah. tenth but he looked right. uneasy buyer had never killed a child but yeah. this also speaks to so buyer gives the correct not the morally correct, but as far as, you know, the company line, company (laughs) line, who gives the company line. Right. And even though we can read the emotion of Bornhold and he's clearly pissed about this, he never in front of anybody else flat out says, this is wrong. This is messed up. Like he asks questions and just everybody's afraid to not toe that line. Like, and if, and if Bornhold eventually, well, as we find out, if if he steps outside that line, uh, there's going to be some serious consequences. Because very clearly, yep. like they, this this group yep. of white folks don't put up with people thinking for themselves and going their their own way. Right. So yeah. So he tells them to bring a prisoner because he's trying to learn more about these Shan Shan people. Um, he's heard rumors left and right through all these villages about these Shan Shan people. That they fight with monsters and with Aes Sedai. And he just, he believes half of it. He's like, you know what? I don't believe all this crap that you're giving me. But um, apparently, there there's people that came from somewhere and no one knows really where. And 
And, and they're probably all dark friends anyway, because they fight with the one power, and that means they're dark friends. So uh, they're the enemy, and he wants them to bring a prisoner. So he questions someone about the Shanshan. And while he's waiting for this prisoner to show up, a message comes from the questioners, um, from, from um, I think it's from Corden. Um, that's that's who sends the message. Uh, that's not the messenger, but that's who sends the message. And, and the, yeah, Car- yeah, Carradine and um, Jacob Carradine and um, and and um, and commands them to turn back away from Toman Head and head back to the middle of nowhere and start messing with more villagers. And Bornholt's pissed. He's like, "That's not where the fight is. That's not. We don't need to be going out to all these little villages and and messing these people up." Um, we need to focus on these people that have come that, that everyone's talking about that are obviously dark friends. Yeah. And he's, he needs to be careful. Uh, obviously he knows this, but everything they do is getting reported back to the questioners because obviously yeah. the questioners have had time to relay this message back and say, Hey, you need to mm-hmm. get back on the, uh, the train here and get to doing what we told you to do. So what are your thoughts about all this? Inquisition. Inquisition. <laughs> I think it's really sad. Like this this chapter, this first part like depressed me a little bit. I was like, man, George just took like a wicked turn out of nowhere. Yeah. It's just like cut them down and make sure the villagers know there will be no more killing. Even uh Hall's kind of he said it wearily, he was defeated. And he knows, mm-hmm. like, as you read through it, there's no dark friends out here. Like, if anything, yeah. they are the dark friends. Yes. Right. Yeah. Questioning which well, we side least, you're actually on. We, like, this is a pretty big moral. We know, we know at least one, the man who calls himself Boars. Um, we know at least one white cloak is a, is a dark friend. <laughs> yeah. We haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, the man who calls himself Boris. We don't. Or we don't know we. who he is. Say, or have we? Who knows? Uh, we don't know who he is. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, Bornhold's super suspicious of the Crushners and super suspicious of their motives and like what's going on. And pretty much, he decides like he's going to disobey the Crushners and just say, "Screw it, we're going to head to Falme." Um, and Falme's on the uh, on the uh, on Toman Head. So that's where. The dark friends are. That's where these these Sean Chan people are. We're gonna head that way, and and this section ends with the prisoner coming in, and they ask him. You know, they said like, "Hey, you know, either you answer our questions, or we're gonna give you back to this guy that's all like grizzled and messed up because dark friends captured him one time and tortured him." Um, and we end this scene, not the chapter, but we end this scene with you know the prisoner about to spill his guts and cut to something else <laughs> so yeah so that's the end of the white click scene so thoughts i mean you said it's depressing yeah but what's your thoughts on like Borhold? i mean he's pretty much said like he's going to disobey the order i mean i think that's what surprised me the most but I think he realizes that they're being used and that they're being turned into the evil to perpetuate this connotation that they're the white cloaks are actually needed oh, in that land. Yeah. Yeah, we're 
we're moving forward. We're going to have definite uh, divisions within the White Cloaks. I don't think this is a small thing. I think this is a pretty big stepping out of line for him, and he's got to know that. So he's he's either going to have to answer for it uh, with his Mm -hmm. life or some pretty serious reprimand. I mean, the way these folks are going, by doing this, he's being – He's risking being labeled a dark friend himself. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and potentially depending on which way he runs, yeah. I mean, he could he could end up being a uh, um an ally to you know the rest of our merry band of bandits that are romping around this world. So, oh, who knows. Okay. Unless he's Boars. Okay. In which case, fuck, okay. I don't know. So, yeah. So, then we cut to a completely different character. We go back to our good old friend, good old Bill Doman, our sea captain, who, when you guys first met, thought he was a dark friend. Do you guys still, still think nope. Bill Doman's a dark uh, friend? <laughs> right now, it's between him and Elias, who, who I trust the most. <laughs> I think uh, he's pretty cool. <laughs> Mr. Doman's the man. Mm-hmm. Bill Dillman's awesome. Um, But yeah, so it cuts to him. He's on the ship. He is sailing towards Toman Head and realized it was a bad idea and turned around and the ship's chasing him. Um, um, And it's Sean Chan ship. And you get a kind of description of this giant ship. And it looks like, though the way you describe it to me, it looks like a a Chinese junker. Um, If you've ever, if you've ever seen an old Chinese junker ship, they call them junkers. Um, they're these giant ships with the rib sails um, um, that they don't really sail anymore, except for like just for show and stuff like that. But like, they're really this this very forward design of a ship. If you were from like a junket, sorry. Thank you, Zul, for for it's not junker, junket. Yeah, uh, but um, but they uh, yeah they this very forward design. If you were like back in let's say medieval times or even Renaissance times. And you had like the stereotypical tall ships. And then you had the Chinese junkets. They were just foreign ships, but yeah, that's how I picture them. Elite. Sure. <laughs> Thoughts on this. Yeah. So anyway, so yeah, uh, sure. God, thank you. Thank you Ian, for sharing me. Um, so yeah, so I just knew this so, was the chapter. So Bill's, Bill's running. Like, it was all about seafaring. And, yeah. Um, Thinking about the the junker yeah. and everything, and I, again, me knowing nothing about ships, I did find it interesting that uh, Doman was just like, "Hey, sure. take her close in. That ship won't dare enter the shallow water. Sprays can sail." So he's assuming that it is—I I don't even know what to call the type of boat, but a, a boat with a, a deep bottom. Because yeah. He's not a, good. Sure. So, so. But- yeah, so Bill's boat, Bill Dovin's boat, is is traditionally a river boat. I mean, he talked about that in previous chapters where he, like the, the the crew is really nervous about taking it out to sea because it's a river boat, and river boats traditionally have shallow drafts. And what a draft is for people that aren't seafaring, people like you and I, it's just how deep the the water, uh, how deep the draw, or how deep you need, how much water you need to go through, um, how deep the boat goes into the water. Um, so a big ship needs more water. It needs to be deeper water because it has more boat underwater than a than a shallow well, draft boat. Like which a would, barge that has more surface uh, area. That was more question to the statement. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so like barges don't necessarily draw as much, um, but they're not really seaworthy either. Um, barges yeah. are usually meant for inland. Um, you take them move, move the cargo. Uh, once you have the big cargo. Yeah. Um, when you're in deep water, when you have big waves, you want a big draft because that breaks the waves up. Because um, when you go to the open ocean, you need a deep draft just for the wave purpose because you have giant waves up there. Anyway, so he can go close to the shore. He's trying to go. He's trying to run for the shoals uh, and go go inland. Um, so the, hopefully the boat can't catch him. Um, and the wind's really crappy around him. He notes that, except the boat chasing him tends to have a ton of wind around it, but he has no wind, and yeah, it's I, just really frustrating. I, I, noted, I noted that um, because seen, uh, yeah. what other boat have we experienced this with? When the ladies were taking their boat down to Tarvalon. They just had perfect wind the whole way, and that clearly wasn't by chance. This was something that the Octodai were, you right. know, using the power to help them along. So, ding, ding, ding. That's a, right. a whole nother layer of, oh shit, if this is unfolding. Right. And B- Bill's heard of from other villages they raided with about this Shanchan people that they can channel, they have channelers, and that they have monsters. Same thing, the, um, same kind of thing that they had heard from uh, uh, that that Bornhold had heard. Um, he's heard some of the rumors too, um, and he's just trying to run away. He's like, I don't want anything to do with them. And and apparently, at all these villages, people are talking about how they're just coming in and making them swear oaths, and then taking all the women, um, and then some of the women they keep, some of the women they give back, and it's just really strange. But some of the women just disappear. Um, and they're also putting new people in charge of the villages. So that's another thing you get as well. It's like they're coming in, they put, they take the old management out of the village, put their own management in, take all the women, test them or whatever, send them back. And um, just a really strange culture. He's not really sure what to think of them. He just wants to avoid them altogether, wants nothing to do with them. So he's trying to run away. Trying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trying and failing. <laughs> the narrator steps in. Oh, but he didn't get away. In fact, they caught they caught him moments later. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as he's trying to make his way away, suddenly the whole sea starts erupting and fire all around him. Um, it's not hitting him, but like this, the seas just burst up in flames all around him. So Bill's like, "Okay, yeah, we're 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 toast. Let's go and stop." So he orders them to turn into the wind. Which, for those that don't know, when you turn to the wind, it stops your boat, uh, if you're a sailor, um, and lower the sails. Um, so they do that. The boat comes alongside them. They send a long boat out, and we meet our first Sean Chan when they come aboard. Um, and you get a description of this ornate, armored soldier that comes aboard. It has a helmet that looks like an insect head, has very ornate armor, has a curved sword. Um, this very, very foreign, but definitely armed to the teeth. <laughs> it says, <clears throat> so I really, I, I like this portion, um, a whole lot more. Not that I didn't like the information about the ship, but to, you know, have that overview of the longboat and everything and, and to just kind of learn about the, the boats is really cool. But then to get into the, the armor and the fact that, there's this whole concept that they fight with monsters. The Sea Shin themselves were monsters. 
The helmets looked very much like some monstrous insect head with thin red plumes like feelers. The wearer seemed to be peering out through uh, mandibles. It was painted and gilded to increase the effect, and the rest of the man's armor was also worked with paint and gold, overlapping plates in black and red outlined with gold covering his chest and ran down the outside of his arms and the fronts of his thighs. Even the steel back of his gauntlets were red and gold. Where he did not wear metal, his clothes were dark leather. So there's just, and then of course the swords. Two-handed sword on his back with a curved blade and scabbard and hilt black and red. So they, like they put a lot of thought into the armor. They put a lot of detail. It was very ornate. And everybody kept assuming it was a male. And of course then the armored figure removed his helmet and it was a woman. That makes perfect sense because one right. man is going to accessorize that well, like all the way down to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Us, us guys, uh, yeah, we don't accessorize well at all. Um, <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so it is a woman, and Bill, it, Bill Dobin is completely taken back by that because, I mean, he's heard of IEL women, but they're all crazy, is what he says. But like, a woman soldier like this is crazy um and but he's also more shocked that she looks normal like uh besides the fact that has a little weird haircut but like is a normal person he's expecting like some kind of monstrous person like because of the stories but just normal people um you know other people start removing their helmets as well and they're all obviously different races and different people some have blue eyes, some have brown eyes, different color hair. Like they're just a very, very um, normal people. Um, but they pick Doman out as the captain and start asking him questions. Um, uh, she comes over uh, and starts talking to him. Her speech is slurred. Um, that's another thing that's interesting about the Shanshan is they have this like. So it's not said in the books at all. But when interviewed with Robert Jordan, he said that the they have a certain speech, but it's a Texan accent is what Robert Jordan said. So if you can imagine a steep Southern Texas drawl with slurred speech, so like a drunk Texan is how they sound. <laughs> well, we've got a, we've got a couple Texans in our discord. So maybe after this, we'll get them drunk and have them hop in the chat and we'll just listen to them and see what it sounds like. It sounds like uh, not, that's what a Sean Chan sounds like. Uh, so, <laughs> So yeah, um, yeah, and and they ask me the first question they ask is, "Is there any woman on board?" And so it's like, "Nope, no, I don't have any women passengers. Not my crew of women. Um, don't have any woman here." And then a woman comes up that's leashed to another woman, so has a collar around her neck, um, and the one wearing the collar has a really plain gray dress on, and the other woman has these light bolts on her her dress, um, and they're collared which is very foreign and strange. So I, what's your thoughts on this? Like when I read this part, I was like, what, what is the significance of the, the lightning bolts? Um, first okay. off, it was like, what is the significance of the woman that's like, of the, the collared woman? Yep. That was what I put in my notes, but I can't find exactly what I highlighted. So the collar woman wore dark gray and stood with her hands folded and her eyes on the planks under her feet. 
but I was just like wondering why they had her collared and what the deal was. And like this kind of was a little sadistic, I guess is the word I want to use. I was like, this is this is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. And then of course having the different bolts and things and I was like, these kind of reminded me like some weird Amazonian something or another. So my mind right. kind of all over the place. It's like this isn't right. These people are weird. My, my mind's already thinking, all right, uh, these women that are collared, chained, whatever, you know, they're the same as or the equivalent of like Aes Sedai they can channel. They're the ones that are, you know, cracking the lightning and creating the fire and all that jazz. But the, the power with the Shanchen is that they've found a way to control them. Uh, so this can't just be some regular old you know, collar they're putting on there. There's, there's got to be some significance to it. Special material or just something that has been, I, man, I don't know. Yep. And she, and, and this woman that comes up, introduces herself, she's the Captain Aginan. That's her name, is Aginan. Um, she says she's not of the blood, which I, I, I highlighted and asked you guys what you guys thought of this. She's talking to them like they should already know what all this means. Uh, and Bill Doman's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but like, about like, I'm not of the blood, but I have this woman. I paid, I paid a good, I paid a good fee for her. Um, you know, and she's my, uh, at the, you get a new word. It's called a Damane. Um, that's what they call the, the, the woman. Yeah. That has, yeah Damane, Damane. And that's, um, that's the, the one that has a collar around her neck. And so it's, they paid for her. So, um, so I had a question mark, slavery question mark. Yeah, that's, that's what I wrote in my notes too. <laughs> um, and so now also they're going around and they're collecting up all these women from every place that they go to. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming this is part of their like slave trade. If you, if you, if we're calling them slaves, um, instead of going to the White Tower, they go back to their home country and whatever process it is there to, um, you know, sift out the, the females that can actually channel and then raise them up not to be powerful eyes to die, but raise them up to be slaves. You have the nail on the head of that one. Yeah. So... So yeah, um, and then he asks. He even asks, "Are they Aes Sedai?" And gets backhanded. Mm, and, that was hilarious. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Smack right in the face. It's like, do not ever use that word, Aes Sedai. They are the least. They are the least ones. Uh, that's what it wasn't like. Smack. It was he never saw the casual backhand blow coming. He staggered as her steel backed hand gauntlet split his lip. So he didn't even see it coming. Like it was just literally like I'm there and now I'm on my ass, which I think is balling. Yeah, you done did fucked up, AA Ron. Yeah, <laughs> and then she immediately starts going about talking about the return. She's like, you know, you guys are supposed to be waiting for the return, and he immediately thinks back, like, are you talking about Arthur Hawkwing's armies that went across the ocean? Like, when like that's all just a rumor. Like, no, you guys aren't Arthur Hawkwings. Army, like, what are you talking about? Uh, from thousands of years ago, um, to th- obey, th- to await, and to serve. Your ancestors should have remembered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she, 
He orders them back to Fame. He says, turn back your boat. Go back to Fame. As long as you are just a merchant guy, we'll, we'll, we'll inspect your boat. And ask you a few questions as long as you swear the oaths to to yeah to obey to await and to serve, and everything checks out. You're free to go. We don't care. Um, and Domin protests a little bit, but realizes he really doesn't have any cards to play. I mean, he's doesn't have much of a choice. Gotta, um, yeah, yeah, got to go with it now. <laughs> yeah. So he sails back. They put they put a guy on his boat to you know to to make sure he. You know, and they escort him back, and he starts asking the guys some questions over time. He he kind of answers some of his questions, but other things he definitely gets pissed off about because he asks he asks about the demade some more, and guy put puts a knife to his throat or sword to his throat, and like yeah, you don't talk about that. Um, I'm not even allowed to ask about that. The thoughts like before we get to Fame, before we get before we pull into the harbor there, like thoughts on this whole initial introduction to an yet another culture. So this is out of left field. Like we've heard of, we've heard of Aiel in previous books. We've heard of, you know, all these other cultures or illuminators. We had hints of illuminators. This is coming out of left field, like Sean Chan. Boom. Like we've had hints, like there's been lines in the previous chapters about like strangers have landed on Tome and head. And there's rumors that is there. There's been talks about that in previous books, but like, this is a whole new culture. And, and and it's people that it's not like every once in a while they would come and visit. They were completely detached and they were gone for what were we saying a, a thousand years? A thousand years, Since, yeah. Yeah. Man, and yet another example of kind of what I was talking about in the last chapters. Um you know, if you wind back far enough. Let's say these are Arthur Hawkwing's people, you know, go back a thousand years and, you know, they're all on this, we'll call the mainland, you know, the, the main area that all these folks are traveling around on. And when they first leave, probably everybody's retelling of the stories and events that unfolded were somewhat similar. But as enough time goes by, you know, that changes and it changes and it changes. And people might remember things differently or have a different perspective or a different piece of the puzzle. And whereas the Aiel would every now and then dip in, uh, so there was some overlap. These folks have literally been out of the picture for a very, very long time. So it's no surprise that uh, not only are, like, culturally they just wildly different, um, but, like, this captain's expectations of, of what these people should and shouldn't remember um yeah i don't know where i was going with that but yeah just yeah clearly clearly they're not uh seeing eye to eye on the way things should be mm. yeah so now we get to fall day so he's coming in there's more and more sean chan ships ships as he comes in he starts to try to count the amount of ships in the harbor and he loses count after 100 and there's more than twice that like so there's a ton of ships like that have come in. Um, I mean, you're talking about at least 200 ships and these are giant ship, gigantic ships. So it's an entire invading force that you get the whole picture that this is not a small detachment. This is an invasion. Um, they, they're sailing up and they see the towers uh, that overlook the Harbor and they're called uh, uh, the towers of the watchers of the waves. Uh, which, if you remember back from the Moraine chapter, 
there was something about the watchers of the waves and the prophecies. I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a caged man hanging from uh, from one of the towers. And Dumbin asks about that guy. He's like, "What's up with the cage guy?" And he's like, "Oh, um, that's uh, that's that's the the watcher." Um, so if you if you, it, this is not really spoilery, so the watcher is the leader of the town. He's like, "Yeah, it's not the first guy that yeah. was the watcher. We killed him eventually, so we elected a new guy and put him in the cage. And then when he dies, we'll elect another guy and put him in the cage." <laughs> like, um, because they were watching for the wrong thing. That's their punishment. <laughs> Damon's like, shit, this is pretty rough. <laughs> they, they forgot when they should have been remembering. Like, none of that shit is helpful. Clearly, yeah. you've got these people's attention. Why don't you just re-educate them real quick and be on your way? <laughs> yeah. Nah, we're just exactly. going to torture them some, some. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, hey, r- Real quick, um... As you were talking about where they're going, uh, I remembered that Toman Head looked like a penis, so I went back to look on the map, and I just realized that is it Falme? Falme? Mm-hmm. Falme? Falme? Is... Some people pronounce yeah. it Falme. Some people pronounce Falme. I, I pronounce yeah. Falme. I don't know. I probably could look at the right pronunciation, but yeah, whatever. So whatever you want to call it, Falme, Falme is uh, Falme. clearly a genital wart. Yeah. <laughs> on the tip of Toman Head. Yeah. So this isn't the kind of place I think I would want to live. It doesn't uh-huh. seem uh-uh. <laughs> doesn't seem too appealing to me. Yeah. Anyways, so, back yeah. to the story. So we get to the dock, and on the dock, there's a creature that's gigantic that has three eyes. We, we, we might have seen these things before. I don't recognize it. You didn't recognize it? No. What three what three eyed creatures have we seen before? I have no idea what you're talking about. The Grom. Remember the thing that Rand shot when he's in the portal world? What? They were running towards the exit and those pack of Grom started chasing them. The frog like things with three eyes. Like David Grom? Like Foo yeah. Fighters? <laughs> They're called Grom. The three. I know I'm fucking with you. Yeah, I, yeah. I've, I, I obviously remember. I was. I wanted to see how long I could get you to to describe no. them. <laughs> yeah. See if you'd be like, "What do you mean you don't remember?" Jesus, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> like it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so one of them is on the dock, and some guys control it with hand signals. So hence the monsters. Yeah. Now let's let's go way back, Chris. Let's back it up many, many episodes yeah. when we were theorizing. We're listening to you. Yeah. It, in that mirror world, we were trying to figure out, all right, what are we actually looking at there? And like Loyal told us, well, that was one possible outcome, you know, of you know, time, like one choice done differently or one thing changed. And that was a possibility. Well, with these groans running around and the earth scorched and everything, um, you know, maybe in that world, Arthur Hawkwing came back sooner or I guess maybe even looking at the tower and it was not the hawk on there, but the, whatchamacallit, the raven. 
you know, maybe that's an existence where Alter Hawkwing never left because he got defeated. Huh. Yeah. And I don't know. Yeah. These Groms. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and then, oh, wait, 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 wait. This is what I was thinking because I wanted to give shit to Celine too. I knew you were going to say That's more what I was expecting you to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I just, for whatever reason, I couldn't get there from where I started. But, um, so she told us she's from one place, but she knew so much about these groms. And she, she felt a little bit too comfortable around that first one that, you know, they're so deadly. And yet she was just kind of fighting them off with a stick. And also we theorized that she was possibly controlling them as well. Mm-hmm. So is she actually from where she says she's from? Or did she come from the same place as our Sean Chen friends? There's there's some overlap. There's some hmm. there's something going on there. So we get to the next scene, and they're at the dock, and Agiden uh, leads Domen off the dock, up the road towards the top of the hill, and as he's walking up he realizes that Sean Chan are completely in charge. Like the locals are still armed and he's surprised. Like they still have knives and swords on them. And he even asked about it. Like, he's like, but you're letting locals still have swords. And she's like, yeah, they sworn the oaths. They're part of us now. And she's like, I'll, I'll prove it to you. Hey, you random, random merchant guy, <laughs> like calls out some guy and like, and de- demonstrates that. Yeah. They're in charge. So well, and so then we we get a taste of what probably our ship captain is going to have to do in order to go on his merry way. I mean, you got to have uh, all their little sayings down. You mm-hmm. know, as, as he's traveling, what do you tell people as you're trading? You know, they must yep. obey the forerunners, await the return, and serve those who come home, and blah blah blah, and. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and there's more of these monsters and, and Demone and soldiers and everything like that as they're walking up and um and and Doman just kind of comes to his conclusion that he's just gonna mind his own business. Like <laughs> and, like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna even try to protest at this point. I'm just gonna follow follow along and and try to get my get myself out of this situation he's in. So from Doman's perspective, I mean, if you were in his shoes, I mean, I think he's handling it pretty well. But at the same time, like, this would be kind of a – it's not a shock, but it's – yeah, it's it's complete world shift. What did you say? I said I feel like it's quite impressive how yeah. this group of people have, like, mastered monsters – they found a way to manipulate the locals and then to incorporate them into their own personal norms and beliefs and not just, again, humans, but monsters, which is awesome. And then they're just kind of like walking around happy-go-lucky about yeah. it all. Yeah. And, and the ones that, even though they themselves can't wield the power, they found a way to subjugate those that can so they can use it for their own selfish means mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. right yeah i don't want to fight him yeah yeah so yeah so they reach the top of the hill 
uh, it's the largest, I guess, place or in or I guess the largest building at the top of the hill. And there's banners and guards out front. And they go in and they get to the, the largest room in the house. Uh, and um, and a gong sounds. And immediately they drop to their, uh, the, the, again, and drops to their knees. And, and Bill Dillman does the same. You know, just I'll just copy whatever you do <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and these two guys come in and you get a description of the first guy that comes in. Obviously, it's like kind of, uh, I guess, assistant. And the second guy that comes in is High Lord Turok. Um, and you get a description of him. So uh, his fingernails are long. They're painted. He's wearing these really elaborate, long flowing robes. Yeah. Kind of reminded me of 300. <laughs> <laughs> Am I just 300? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's good. Yeah. The long fingernails remind me of Chinese culture. So, like, ancient China culture, like, they would, uh, lords and especially empresses, and not necessarily men, but women would grow their fingernails out extremely long. And, or they'd even wear, like, uh, fingernail guards. Um, and it was a sign of nobility when you had long fingernails because you didn't have to do work. Um, so it reminded me of that culture. Um, uh, if you take a modern, or not necessarily modern, but a, a real world, world example, our world example is uh, it's definitely Chinese culture did that where they grew out their fingernails long. So they prove their status by having long fingernails. Yeah. So, um, so Aguidin stands up to speak and Bale Doman starts to rise too and immediately he's forced back down, like prostrate on the ground. And it's even funny, like Doman's sticking his head. He's like, I wouldn't even do this for like the highest lords of like he's from Iliad. He's like, even if the king of Iliad was in front of me, I, I wouldn't do this for him. Like, this is insane. Yeah, definitely over the top. And like we mentioned before, you get you got two cultures kind of coming together here and the the most powerful one right now is in the lead. So yeah, yep. And they exchange their formalities, and Agidin gives him a present from Bell Doman's ship, and he accepts it, and she leaves. She's dismissed, and Bell Doman's there by himself <laughs> with Lord Tur- Turok. Uh, Turok tells him to rise, um, and takes him into another room, tells him to follow him, um, and. Yeah, and you learn what was taken from his boat. So it was the seal. The yin the yin yang thing. Yeah, the seal. The dark one prison seal. Yeah. Remember made so out there of was, what what do we call that stuff that's like unbreakable? Quindiar. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently Turok collects that stuff. Um and takes him into this other room and he has a bunch of it everywhere. Um, because he likes collecting it, and Tomin's like, you could pretty much buy a nation with how much you have of it. Um, and he has another he, he has another seal too. He puts it next to another exact identical. So he actually, so uh, the Amblin sees especially the watcher of the seals, and they have no idea what the seals are. Well, two of them are here. <laughs> One's broken that they found the eye of the world. So there's yep. three. There's three of the seven seals. Um, we at least now we know three of them. Uh, but there's a shelf full of Quindiar stuff. Um, and then Bill Doman, of course, sends up and says, like, you have permission to take my stuff and and pretty much gets completely beat down. I was like, you can't give what's already been given. Like, 
you don't <laughs> this really awkward scene where he's like yeah i mean i'll give you my stuff and it's like it's already been given to me like what are you talking about <laughs> it starts calling him a traitor yeah. calling him a traitor as well so just what's your thoughts on this whole interaction been mostly quiet because this is one of the sections where we're getting so much new info that I'm, I'm less in a mode of trying to jump to conclusions and figure stuff out. Still just absorbing it. I yeah. do think, uh, you know, good on Doman. He pl- he's either really dumb or he plays dumb really well. And I think he plays dumb really well because I don't take him as a stupid person. Yeah. Uh, and he plays dumb so well that he kind of pulls it off and um, seems a little bit harmless. Uh, but then at the very end, you know, I I think this, this Turok guy is starting to see through it at least, you know, because he's, he's starting to ask him about the events that led to him, you know, finding this artifact and is mm-hmm. trying to dig a little bit info at him but i mean for the most part uh, i think i think doman's doing a good job playing the game yeah yes i'm interested in the empress and finding out what's in her collection maybe that's where more uh quindalar are maybe she has the rest of them maybe yeah Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot going on in this chapter a lot of description we know jordan's very heavy and he inundates us with that part of it is to kind of take us away from the important pieces because he wants us to go back and reread. He wants us to be drawn into the book over and over and over again, because each time you read it, you see something new, you pick something else out. And that's Mm -hmm. part of you finally knowing what to look for after the first read and then coming back after the second read and going, Oh, I didn't notice that. And then he keeps bringing you back in with all these, all this depth and detail. Yep. um, yeah. So I mean, the, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Finish your thought. So at the end of the day, at the end of the day, like calling him a traitor is one thing. He's not really trading anything. But then also studying Doman and knowing that there's more to Doman than meets the eye. Very smart of the High Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. This this is going to be a, a battle of wits here in this conversation to come. Yeah. So the final scene, a woman that's wearing basically nothing. I mean, she's wearing like the thin, transparent garb that you can see everything through. Uh, brings in a black liquid, what they call calf. So it's coffee, um, if you didn't know what that was. Uh, um, and he comments on how wonderful the coffee is. Um, and Turek asks Doman where he got the seal and ends the chapter with Dovin beginning to try to think inside his head, how am I going to lie my way out of Falmer? Uh, how am I, I going to lie my way out of here? Um, See, what had happened was... <laughs> what happened was... Um, it, he tries to cover well. He's like, oh, I collect things. That's why I have it. And he's like, okay, how'd you really get it? <laughs> so, yeah. And yeah. That's, how, and that's how we end this chapter. Um, so, final thoughts. On, I, I know it's a whole lot with the Shan Chen. It's, it's a very foreign, um, new culture that is strange, and it's meant to be strange because it's, 
it's I think it's meant to be jarring because it's just like you said that they're, they're just strangers that just show. It is. It's so, like when the Persians showed up with elephants and yeah, they showed so, up in gold with very little of anything wearing. Like it. <laughs> so why why do you think they came back after a thousand years? Why now? I mean, with the focus on the um, Quindalar so much. I think maybe there's a race to collect as many as they can to gain some type of power. Okay. I don't know. Maybe they're afraid that if they don't get them, then they're going to be behind some other group. Because now we've got two groups really coming into play. Mm-hmm. Like, the Ill really were not that active. And now, boom, they're in play. Mm-hmm. And this group is at play. They're both warrior factions. So maybe they're afraid of each other. Maybe there's, I, I don't know. My mind is just whirling, honestly. Yeah. Now, to go back to, now go back to, so now Bell Doman and the Shantan, they're on Toman Head. Do you remember where Toman Head came in earlier this book? Uh, with Pat and Fane telling yeah, Rand that they're going to meet again on Toman Head. Yep. Mm-hmm. When when Turok is introduced, it says you are in the presence of the High Lord Turok, who who leads those who come before and suckers the return. Hmm. And it, they've talked about the return a little bit, but is it just the return of these people to these lands, or is it the return of a specific individual? Are we talking more death? Are we talking the shadow? taken over the land is this talking about the return of the dragon yeah yeah sure that doesn't answer my question <laughs> uh we might find uh, out later um i think it might have to do with one of those things i don't know maybe maybe we'll see we'll see uh in the 14 books to come um <laughs> So, yeah, um, like I, I'm, I'm so weary. I know we're reading this, and maybe we're supposed to think of the Shan Chen as evil people. I mean, they've obviously done some pretty shitty things, and more than likely they are. But I'm still holding this low percentage chance. Like, all right, don't immediately label them the bad guys because shit. Two books from now, they might be fighting with Rand against somebody else even better. Right? Like. Yeah, we still don't know for sure where where they lie in the big picture. We don't. This is the first introduction to them. Uh, final thoughts on all of these chapters. I mean, uh, we had a little bit of everyone. Uh, we had the Trollocs with Rand and with uh, with with uh, with Loyal, and then we had Parrot and Matt the Aiel, and then we had the White Cloaks, and then we had the Shanshan. We 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 got to bounce around a lot this episode, so. What were your final thoughts on all on on these whole chapters? Well, I, I mean, I was just going to say, um, you know, a lot of new info. So really, just stuck in that mode of absorbing it all. Yeah, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to make some connections with things, but honestly, I'm thinking in circles here. Sure, curious to find out where we're going with all this. Yeah, definitely intrigued. Sure. I'm wondering whether or not they're trying to like set somebody or something free. Hmm. Like why else would there be a, a drive to find all the Quindalar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Like I, I don't But then they would oh 
So that was what? Nope, never mind. Yeah. Never mind. I was going to say something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, as we always do every single week now, favorite characters chapters. We had a ton of characters as chapters. I think I know who my favorite character is, which is probably different from yours, but um, actually, it might not I think be. It'd be funny if it'd be funny if you and I have the same favorite character. I think we might have the same favorite character, but let's let's go ahead and talk about it. Uh, Chris, you first, because I I think I went first last time. Did you go first last time? Uh, my favorite character out of all of this stuff, <sighs> you know, Rand actually will go ahead and get some of my my attention this go around because yeah. he finally like unleashed. He's grown up. Unleash the beast. He's growing up. So he's actually kind of back on my, my good side. He's yeah. no longer on my shit list. Oh, Chris, I think I pulled one over on you because uh pretty sure you went first last time also. <laughs> <It's not> <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> yeah. Um my favorite character and I'm curious, has this been cast yet? Have they have they cast the uh Slim, pretty young woman who appeared on Quick Feet to kneel beside the High Lord, uh, basically naked and serving coffee. They have Do we not. know who's playing that role yet? No, we have not. <laughs> okay, well, that's my favorite character. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't think she has a name, but yeah, sure. Um, yeah, we do. What, what was the name that we were looking to fill? We finally yeah. filled it. Yeah. Wow. So, so, oh, so, Steve. So, so, my, so, mine was uh, probably, probably, probably Urian, uh, the IEL, just because I love. Badass. The, yeah, he's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. If I was being serious in my collection, but yeah, that's a good pick, though. Yeah, the the IEL man. He's he's pretty badass. Just like you want to dance with me, let's dance. <laughs> I think if he had actually had some action, he would have been my favorite. Yeah. Instead, so, he like was just waiting to die. Like, no, you can't die yet because you're too badass. Now, when yeah. you die in battle after killing a million Trollocs, then yeah. I'll accept that. Yeah. Like this is really Rand's uncle or something. So they're so they're asking in our chat, Ian. So seriously, like, who'd you pick? <laughs> They're asking for a serious oh, pick. Oh, lordy. Uh, serious pick, loyal. Yeah. He kind of tugged at my heartstrings. He got yeah. a kill. Um, and then he had a funny moment of clumsily, like, blowing shit up. Like, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's actually a good one. Uh, yeah, loyal's good. All right. So next chapters. We're doing two next week. And then we're on the three train again for like the next. So like next week, we're doing two episodes, two chapters. And then we're doing for the next three after that, three chapters. So we're starting to race through towards the end after that. But uh, okay. So the next two chapters that we're going to cover are Days to Mar, which has the rising sun again. And then on the scent which has the rising sun as well. Same chapter icon for both. So the chapter titles are Days de Mar, which is the game of Game of Houses. That's the old tongue for Game of Houses and On the Scent. So thoughts about that. And on the scent, it gets me thinking about uh, Pat and Fane. Okay. Uh, maybe he catches up to one of our groups now. 
Okay. And then Days Damar, which is the great game. That yeah, Days Damar, I think it's kind of obvious. Um, yeah. Rand's going to get caught up. He's got all these letters now. He got his letter from Celine. He's going to have to now you know, make some decisions because people are going to be after him pretty heavily. And then on the scent, I feel like it's going to be more focused on the group coming back together, especially since we know Matt is dying. So in the in the game the game of houses chapter, it could also be focusing on Tom, because remember towards the end of his chapter, he was like, "No, no, I'm done with that. I'm not going back to that." And Dina was calling him out like, "Yeah, right. You're about to get back in the game. I see what's going on here." Agreed. Yeah. So, so it could could be Tom heavy too. Yeah. Well, cool, cool, cool. So, I'll go ahead and wrap it up. So, how we can be found, uh, thewillreads.com. That's our email. That's our uh, website, not email. Well, thewillreads at gmail is our email, but thewillreads.com is our, is our website. Um, that will take us take you to our content creator page for The Great Blight, which has all the links to everything. Including our social media, which were at the Will Reads at Jeep, at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, those wonderful social media places. Uh, also has a link to join our Discord channel, so you can join us and listen or talk to all of our wonderful fans and people and us that every day we talk. So join first time reader. We have rules for you. It's great. Go ahead and join. It's a lot of fun. Um, and then Patreon, um, I always have to mention that, um, as you saw earlier in this episode, uh, if you were listening a week later, uh, if you're a Patreon, you might get free stuff from Ian, apparently, because Ian likes to get free stuff from <laughs> one. So we got two people that got free t-shirts tonight because they were in chat when we got started the episode. Um, thanks, so, Ian. yeah, thanks Ian. Yay. That was awesome. So yeah. Made, so, made me happy. It's your another incentive to join. Um, it's a dollar to to us live. Um, costs more for other stuff, but for the basic level, it's a dollar. So um, go ahead and join us. Join us on Patreon. It's great. It's great. Um, uh, our patrons will tell you, most of them at least, I think we do a good job on giving some content for you guys. Uh, so they, they love us. And if you love us that much, feel free to get. If you don't want to give, that's fine too. Yeah, we still like just making this episode for everyone. Um, also, make, feel free to review us, share us, um, uh, do all the great stuff on any platform you do, whether it's uh, Google Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or Podbean or wherever you listen to us. Just subscribe, review us. Um, even if you write bad reviews, it still helps with the algorithm. Uh, I mean, I don't want you to write bad <laughs> reviews, but but be honest. I'm go write a bad review. Yeah, I mean, be honest. If you don't like this, yeah, write a bad review. I don't really care. I, I'd like the feedback, actually. I'd rather you have it not in a review, but if you want to put it there, go for it. Um, you, you can just email me if you don't like it. Um, so, um, <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, uh, and also merchandise. Uh, our merch store you can find on our website. Um, you can go there. There's the links to the merchandise, too. Um, we've got more stuff that we're adding all the time. Um, feel free to uh, buy some stuff. Um, it's it's fun. Um, there's some good t-shirts. There's some good good frosty mugs and hats and all sorts of fun stuff you can buy there. So 
buy our merch. Um, we'll give away more merch as, as time goes on, but we love you guys all. And that's all I have for this episode. So anything else for you guys? Until next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.